Hello, and welcome to SoberCast, where we provide AA speaker meetings and workshops in podcast format. We're an ad-free podcast, and if you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by visiting SoberCast.com, look for the donate link, and drop a dollar or two into our virtual basket. We hope you enjoy the podcast. Have a great day. Hi, I'm Todd. I'm an alcoholic. And uh, thank you, Randy, and everybody else for the great presentations. Uh, just want to say real quick, I, I don't know what number of the retreat this is for me, probably uh, something like 13 or 14, I'm thinking, over the years. And this is such such a special thing for us to do up here. And uh, I guess it's a little different, you know, asking people to do a couple of steps and... Uh, we know it's hard to sit in a chair and keep your mind in the room for that long at one time. But try to do it because it's important. Um, so I'm going to present steps four, five, and six. And I think before I even get into four, I, I, I just got to go back a little bit into three. And I want to say that step four uh, in Alcoholics Anonymous is... Uh, so I learned it is about revealing self to self and uh, beginning to take a look at you know, self-appraisal and that I actually just have no business doing this if I have no uh, rooting in the first three steps. So that third step is so important that, you know, to be before four and that I at the very least have some practical application of it in my life. And uh, my my experience, you know, when I first came here, uh, I, uh, I bounced in and out of meetings for about a year and a half. And then I finally came back and I landed at this place called Studio 12 in North Hollywood. And, uh, and I surrendered, you know, and I walked in there and it was the first time I went to a, a meeting and gave my real name, and uh, and you know I got and I came and I and I said I need I need your guys' help. I've been here before. I've come to the meetings. I got the book. I've read it a little bit. I want what you guys have, and uh, and I got some help. And I and I was suggested you know come here every day, so I did. And after about two weeks, I got a sponsor. His name was Sonny. Many of you guys probably know Sonny if you were hanging around the valley. I, I stuck my hand up. I had about 10 days or two weeks, and I said, uh, what's this sponsor thing all about? And, and a couple of guys said, well, you know, ask Sonny. Everybody, he seemed to sponsor everybody at Studio 12. And I didn't know what he was about except that he was a notorious guy. He was covered in tattoos. He had been in prison for 25 years and had some crazy wild story. But he'd been in AA for 11 years and seemed to be helping a lot of people. And I, and I was impressed by that. And he knew the program pretty well. He, he, he talked about the literature. So I walked up to Sonny and I said, uh, I need a sponsor. And I'm thinking already, okay, I've, I see people drive Sonny around. And I think that's probably part of the deal. you got to drive him around. And I said, so I need a sponsor. And he said, well, are you willing to go to any lengths? And if, if any of you guys knew Sonny, if it was important, he said it twice. So he said it a second time, and he smiled up a little bit, and he revealed these two swastikas carved into his eye teeth. 
<laughs> and I said, uh, well, what kind of lengths? Honest to God, that's what I said, you know. And, and, and he kind of giggled and, and he said, well, it's a question to a question. I just need an answer. Are you or aren't you? And so I made up my mind really quick and I, I, I said, this guy, you know, I don't know who the hell this guy is. I, I thought maybe he was the president of the Hells Angels or something. And that's, that's who he is. I don't know. So, but he seems to be about love and helping people now. So I said, yeah, I'm willing. And he said, okay, good. He said, you got a book? I said, yeah, good. Oh, okay, start reading it. He said, here's my number. He said, I want you to call me once a day. I never answer my phone. Just leave me a message on the box. I just want you to want to know you're calling. Something you're going to do. I said, okay. He said, you working right now? I said, no. He goes, good. You got time to get sober? I'll see you here every day at noon. I said, okay. So we started working together. And, and he took me through the first nine steps. And the only step that I understood really that I had any kind of handle on at all, I thought, you know, it was the first step. And I think that's the way it is for all of us. That's the one that got me here. It took me a year and a half of bouncing in and out of AA and CA and NA to get the first step, but it took me 18 years of drinking and using and all that to also get it. But anyhow, the point being, Sonny's taking me through the steps, and I'm just sort of being directed, and I'm following direction. I'm willing. And I wanted to talk about this because it's important before doing a fourth step. That, uh, you know, I had uh, just been doing what I was told to do and uh, doing the best I could do, and he had me uh, learn the third step prayer and say it once a day. That was his suggestion to me. We had these discussions, you know. Uh, do you pray? Have, you know, well, I have sometimes, yes. Do you believe in God? I'm not sure. Maybe. You know, those kind of discussions like we have with our sponsors, some of us. So at some point in about 30 or I don't know how many days, I'm working my third step, so to speak. And I'm learning the third step prayer and I'm saying it once, once a day and I'm having this discussion with him. And I said, you know, I've been coming here now for 38 days and I'm really just, I, uh, I'm starting to say the same things that people say in these rooms when I raise my hand and I think I'm just kind of, I feel like I'm getting brainwashed by this thing. And you guys probably heard this, and it was a perfect opportunity for him to roll it out on me. And he said, well, how long have you been getting loaded for? And I said, 18 years. He said, how long have you been sober for now? And I said, 33 days or something. And he said, well, 33 days and 18 years. He said, you know, your brain could probably use a good wash. <laughs> he said, you've been working that third step prayer? And I said, yeah, I've been saying it every day. And I said, there's just this one thing, you know, God, as I understand him, I don't think I really understand him. And he said, it doesn't say understand. And we talked about this. We do talk about this a lot in prime time. He says, it's, it's, it says understood. And Anderson always talked about this a lot. See, it's understood. There's a power greater than you. There's a power, and it's not you. That's what's understood. And I said, oh, well, I... And he said, I, I think we should start a fourth step. I want you to start writing tomorrow. And that's how I started on my fourth step. So, and, and it was quite important. And, and in the big book, you know, there's a part where Randy read it where it says, uh, we thought well before taking this step, and then they, uh, and right after it, it says, uh, 
Next, we launched out on a course of vigorous action, the first step of which is a personal house cleaning. But that's not what I wanted to read. What I wanted to read was, was uh, this was only beginning, this third step. Though, if honestly and humbly made, an effect sometimes a very great one was felt at once. Uh, and that's not what I wanted to read either. What I wanted to read was the part about where it says that we follow this immediately. So we don't wait around. We go right into the fourth step. And uh, those... Yeah, I got it. I just can't seem to put my eyes on it. But but you guys know it. Yeah, you're right. It's the next page at the top, right where I have it underlined. It says... <laughs> On page 64, right at the top, underlined in Todd's big book, it says, Though our decision was a vital and crucial step, it could have little permanent effect unless at once, followed by a strenuous effort to face and to be rid of the things in ourselves which had been blocking us. So like we all do, I I wrote a fourth step, and my sponsor had me write three columns, and he said to me, I want you to write for an hour a day for 12 days in a row and call me on the 13th day. That's what he told me to do. And as many of us know, there's tons of, we were talking, a couple of us were talking about this this morning. There's tons of four step formats that, that float around the rooms. Uh, and there's old, old school AA groups that use the Oxford group formats from the Dr. Bob Akron stuff and there's Hazelden formats and Joe and Charlie tapes and and it's all I, I'm you know what I, I just use the big book format. That's what I do. That's what my sponsor had me do. I didn't understand a damn thing about it for the whole time I was doing it. And I called him all you know, once every day or so and said, you know, I'm I'm just not sure I understand how, which what do you put in which column? And then you said to look in the twelve and twelve about the seven deadly sins and then apply that to the and he would just say, just keep writing and call me when you're done. And that's kind of about as much as he ever told me to do. And, and you know, so I wrote this thing out for 12 days and I saw him, I called him on the 13th day. We got together in a park in North Hollywood and I read it to him. And I started, you know, into my first page and he kind of stopped me. He said, um, wait a minute, who are you angry at? And I said, well, my wife. And he said, well, what did she do? And I said, what she did. He said, how's that make you feel? And I said, well, I'm angry. He said, okay. Who's next? I said, well, I got to, I didn't even get into the whole thing, you know. And he said, yeah, I know. You read me your first one. He said, this is just an outline, Todd. He said, we're going to, we're not going to make it the whole day through this thing if you read me your whole novel. So we're just going to do it in outline form. So who's next? You know, and I went down to the, the next one. So I learned a little bit about that. Um, this fourth step is a, it's a really an interesting thing, and it's not a new idea. There's a, there's a great pamphlet in AA. It's called A Member's Eye View. If you ever get a chance to pick it up off the literature rack, check it out. And it's a guy who's talking. I think it's a, a doctor, and he's addressing a professional group of other doctors, I think. He's talking about Alcoholics Anonymous, and in, in, in his talk, uh, he's saying, uh, you know, this phenomenon of AA, it seems to work really well, but it's really an interesting thing because what's offered in Alcoholics Anonymous is nothing new that hasn't been already around for centuries. There's nothing new offered. He said, but what's different about AA is, is the way that it's offered. 
is they have 12 steps, these spiritual steps. And when we read how it works, where it says, our stories disclose in a general way what we used to be like, what happened, and what we're like now. If you've decided what, if you've decided you want what we have and you're willing to go to any length to get it, then you're ready to take certain steps. And he said, there's the, the, what's different. It's in the way that it's offered. That they're not the twelve commandments. It's all based on experience of other people that have gone before us. And the twelve steps are reports of actions that others have taken that new people come in and say, well, I want what they have. I'll do what they do. And then we just do what, what we're told to do. And we don't have to invent it. And this was for me, you know, this, I don't, I'm sure many of you guys had the same feeling. Big revelation for me. Cause I was always a very self-centered, self-made, self, I've, I've, you know, if I couldn't figure it out, it just couldn't be figured out. Whatever it is. Right? That's my credo. That's how I'm made, man. And, uh, and when I got to Alcoholics Anonymous, it was a great relief to discover that I didn't have to figure anything out. That I just could have this program already there and just do it. So I'm doing my fourth step and I'm writing it out. And, uh, and it was a great revelation. And then I guess I'll just kind of fold that into the fifth step as, as we get to the fifth step. But I want to talk about four a little more in detail because, uh, you know, it's so crucial. And, and they give us these directions in the big book that we search out the flaws in our makeup which caused our failure. You know, that it's not the drink problem. That alcoholism is, is, it doesn't come in a bottle. It's not a liquid problem. Being convinced that self manifested in various ways was what had defeated us, we considered its com- common manifestations. Uh, and it talks about that it's a spiritual malady. And when the spiritual malady is overcome, we straighten out mentally and physically. So then they get us into resentments. In dealing with resentments, we set them on paper. Uh, so, you know, I think it's real important that we do just exactly that. I'm a guy in AA who just forbids spreadsheets and computers and typewriters in four steps. I believe we do it with pencil and paper. Uh, I'll accept a pen. Some people don't, <laughs> I'm told. But that this is a hand-to-paper thing. And, uh, you know, I'm a writer of sorts. And that's a real important connection between the brain and, the, and, and your soul and just writing something on a piece of paper. As soon as I get in front of a keyboard, it's a whole different deal. I'm thinking about what I'm writing. I'm looking back at it. Uh, anyhow, so we got a, a resentment list, which has three columns as it's laid out in the big book. And the first column is I'm resentful at, and it gives us, People, institutions, or principles. Write them down. The next column is uh, the cause. And the third column is the effect. And they give us some examples. Which reminds me, I got a friend who gave me a t-shirt. who runs a recovery place in Tennessee. And I meant to bring it. And I forgot to bring it. And it says on the t-shirt, uh, Mr. Brown is an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, I, I know some guys who would understand that. Because <laughs> they use Mr. Brown as an example, his attention to my wife, and so on. But uh, So anyhow, this is the first part of the inventories. It's laid out in the book, and it's in outline form. 
You know, so I'm told. Keep it brief. Um, and it's interesting that, uh, and, and our primetime group in, on Friday night has, has, uh, gone to, uh, we host a, a step workshop. And, uh, we do it usually once a year. And we borrowed, we started with an old book, you guys, maybe you've seen it called Back to Basics. And we modified it. And we modified it to, to mirror the big book as closely as best we possibly can. And it's really interesting because, you know, in that original thing, it's, uh, it's, it's like old AA in the forties when AA really bloomed. There were all these new people coming in and there just weren't enough sponsors to handle the new people. And we didn't want newcomers actually to share in meetings because they didn't have anything to say, but they had a lot of, you know, of saying to do. So we decided we shouldn't let them talk until we took them through the steps. So we started these beginners meetings. We took people through the steps in, in one month. And if they didn't have a sponsor, we assigned them a sponsor. And I thought, what a great idea. What an interesting thing and, and how different it is today. So our Friday night primetime group in Nashville, uh, has adopted that format, changed it to reflect what the big book says primarily. And, uh, the fourth step I think is in the third week when we get to it. And, uh, so we, we create these outlines and hand them out in a little instruction sheet and show you where the pages are and say, and so fill in the columns and do what it says and bring it and, and not bring it back next week, but oh yeah, bring it back completed next week to the next session, at which point you share it with your sponsor, not with the group. And, uh, it's really interesting in the process of, of going into the book to take out and try and do exactly what it says is just like what we do and what I did is that it's right here on paper, but I just couldn't figure out what the heck it was saying. You know, it just wasn't making enough sense to me. And of course, like a lot of these steps, it's, it, it didn't begin to make a lot of sense to me until I was into my fifth step. And then even when I went home after, you know, that last part of the fifth step. And then a lot of this stuff started to make sense. Until then, it was just sort of awkward and uncomfortable for me. So it says we make these three columns. And then it says when we're done, uh, we look at it. Nothing counted but thoroughness and honesty. Uh, and then it says that... Uh, there are situations on this list where we realize that people who wronged us were perhaps spiritually sick. And we didn't like their symptoms and the way they disturbed us, but like ourselves, they were sick too. And then they give us a prayer and a suggestion. Uh, we ask God to help us show them the same tolerance, pity, and patience that we would cheer cheerfully grant a sick friend. And here's a prayer. And I take this as an action. This is a direction in the big book. When a person offended, we said to ourselves, This is a sick man. How can I be helpful to him? God save me from being angry. Thy will be done. This tells us to do this in the big book because we have these resentments and we're already knowing that, well, this is really about me. It's not about them. That's what's going to happen in the next step. But there are those people who they've harmed us and maybe they've done, you know, bad things and it's not our fault. And this gives us the direction for that. It then says, referring to our list again, putting out of our minds the wrongs other had done, we resolutely looked for our own mistakes. 
and this is where the real crux of the fourth step, as I understand it, uh, as I understood it, uh, is, where had we been selfish, dishonest, self-seeking, and frightened? Though a situation hadn't been entirely our fault, we tried to disregard the other person entirely. Where were we to blame? The inventory was ours, not the other person's. And i got to tell you guys the truth. I've done a number of inventories with different sponsors. And even when we took this out of the book and put it in on paper to hand to new people, that direction became a uh, four words in four columns to check off. Had you been selfish, dishonest, self-seeking, or frightened, put a check next to one of those. Until one of the guys I was sponsoring, I asked him to do an inventory, and he brought me when he did his fifth step, and he read it to me. And what he did is he wrote a sentence on each one of those for each situation. And I thought, wow, that's really, I'm really impressed, and that's really powerful, because you've really come to grips with this entire situation. You're talking about your father, and then you wrote about the resentment you had, and then you wrote about how you were selfish in expecting him to be someone different than he who he is. And you really made sense out of that. And I understand it, and you understand it. And then you wrote how you were dishonest in that situation. And so, you know, I learned something new about what's written down in here. Uh, and I wanted to share that because I think it's powerful. Because I always thought it was just, yeah, selfish. <laughs> so, uh, and then it says, you know, when we've done that, there's, there's, uh, uh, we're, we're then to make a fear list, which we've started to identify some of our fears from this last process, this last step. So we make a fear list. Uh, we go down our fear list and then we, uh, we do a sex inventory. When I first read this in the book, I remember calling my sponsor. I thought, well, surely they don't mean sex. They mean relationships. You know, romantic relationships. No, they mean sex. And, uh, and I thought, okay, that's interesting. And there's specific columns and, and directions just again in an outline. And then it asks us, wh- where were we selfish, not selfish? Whom did we hurt, arouse jealousy or suspicion? Selfish or not selfish. And if you actually take the time to write a sentence about each one of those things, it's an amazing thing what becomes revealed. So, uh, you know, this is a fourth step in the big book, basically, and I'm kind of blown by it, as you guys know. It says, uh, if we've been thorough about our personal inventory, we've written down a lot, we've listed and analyzed our resentments, we've begun to comprehend their futility and their fatality, we have commenced to see their terrible destructiveness. And we've begun to learn tolerance, patience, and goodwill toward all men, even our enemies, for we look on them as sick people. We have listed the people we have hurt by our conduct and we're willing to straighten out the past if we can. Uh, this is such, you know, this is the real, uh, this is the pen to paper, real concrete thing that we're doing with these directions and uh, that are designed to reveal us to ourselves. It says in the literature that these are the things which block us off from the sunlight of the Spirit, and that I can't move forward until I reveal these things. And it begins with writing them to myself, and I start to have this idea. And then I get into the fifth step, 
Um, in four, of course, and there's so much about all this in, in our literature and in the steps, in the 12 and 12, uh, and what I do, at least these days, is when I work with a new guy, I just take him through the big book. We do the steps in the book. And once we get through the basic text, then we get into the 12 and 12. That's how I do it. I'm not saying that's the way it's supposed to be done. But I think that the 12 and 12 has so much more expansion on the application in the day, in the day you're in, in the life you're in, where the book is, is more of like, hey, just come on. I know you're not going to understand most of this. That's okay. You don't have to. I didn't either. Neither did any of us. Just come on. Just do it. Uh, but what it says, uh, you know, cause in the, in step four in the 12 and 12, they introduce us to the seven deadly sins, which is a great list. And they say, you know, we've got a great example, uh, you know, where they're talking about immorality. And in this step, it's important, I think, to, to, and I, and I should have started <laughs> step four, made a searches and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. So that word moral inventory, and this was something that, that I, I think I learned here, uh, you know, that moral is the difference between right and wrong, and we all know the difference between right and wrong. In our hearts, it, t- it, it takes us a little while sometimes to figure it out, but this is part of what the uh, fourth step is about. So uh, it says that all who are in the least reasonable will will agree on one point, that there's plenty wrong with us alcoholics about which plenty will have to be done if we're to expect sobriety, progress, and and any real ability to cope with life. And then we're introduced to the seven deadly sins of pride, lust, anger, greed, gluttony, jealousy, envy, and sloth, and to apply them to our defects, or as defects, and then a little further on down, it says all of these failings generate fear, which goes right with that fear inventory. And I always thought fear was a defect, but they say that generates fear, and then it says, then fear in turn generates more character defects. So the fear angle is so important for all of us, because, you know, in my case, I, I didn't think that my fears were, uh, the big, were, were that big of a deal. You know, like, like we all do. And as you stay sober and you, you try and stay on this spiritual path, I, I now realize my fears rule my life. And a lot of them are little tiny fears and I don't even know that they're ruling my life until I'm willing to take a real good look at them. And they generate defects because I gotta cover them. I can't show them to you. I can't admit them to you. Unless I do this and do an honest self-appraisal. So, uh, this goes and has to go right into the fifth step and I believe that you should do a fifth step right away as soon as you're done because it seems to me that every time I do a fifth step or every time I do one with a sponsor we sort of finish the fourth step it's it's they kind of uh, they just go together you're reading stuff and you didn't really realize even what you were writing until you read it to God and to another human being and that's when things really start to happen and I begin to get a, an idea and a clue of, uh, of who I am and what I'm about and the kind of person I am. And that's what my first sponsor, Sonny, said to me. Uh, I already uh, told you, we, we got together in a park and I read in my inventory. And when I was done, he, he 
I, I, I shouldn't use any more bad language. I already did it once on the tape, but he said, "We now we know exactly what kind of a mm, you really are." <laughs> he said, "You did a good job, kid." You know, he said, "So uh, you're you're selfish and self-centered." And I thought, my first thought was, "I am." <laughs> Really? Because I didn't see it that way. I mean, I say a lot of things here, but I didn't see it. You know, I had a different idea of what's selfish. He said, no, it's all about you. It's always about you, isn't it? You, 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 this is all about you taking care of your needs and doing the things you know, you, you know, you always do to do what you always do. Because that's all you know how to do. And, you know, he helped me identify a few other things and he said, okay, now I want you to go home. And he said, first thing I want you to do is take some, uh, Take some time. He told me to do exactly what it says in the book. Go home and take an hour. Thank God from the bottom of your heart that you know Him better. And then look over the steps you've done so far. And let's, and, and, and take a good honest look and see if you've left anything out. And if you left anything out of that inventory, call me. And then he said, uh, just take an hour. And do that, and then look at what it says on the next page. So, uh, and, and I did that, and what it says on the next page is it goes right to step six. It's one paragraph. But a few things in the book where it says, uh, you know, discussing our defects with another person, we, we think we've done well, in, well enough in admitting these things to ourselves. But in actual practice, we usually find a solitary self-appraisal insufficient. Many of us thought it necessary to go much further. And, and then further on, it tells us it's vital. We have to share this with God and another human being. That we should be careful to select the right human being. Uh, and it says that this is a, uh, if we skip this vital step, we may not overcome drinking. It says that again, you know, that we will drink again. Uh, the beautiful part on page 73 where it says that most, more than other, more than most people, the alcoholic leads a double life. He's very much the actor, which we learned about already in Randy's presentation. To the outer world, he presents his stage character, the one he likes his fellows to see. He wants to enjoy a certain reputation, but he knows his heart doesn't deserve it. We must be entirely honest with somebody if we expect to live long or happily in this world. Uh... So, in doing this fifth step, it says, we pocket our pride and go to it, illuminating every twist of character, every dark cranny of the past. Once we've taken this step, withholding nothing, we are delighted. We can look the world in the eye. We can be alone at perfect peace and ease. Our fears fall from us. We begin to feel the nearness of our Creator. We feel we're now on the broad highway, walking hand in hand with the Spirit of the universe. And it talks about that too in the 12 and 12 about the sense of belonging and the, the beginning of not feeling isolated anymore. And, uh, you know, I'm here to testify that that is exactly what happened to me when I, the first time I did a fifth step. And, you know, I didn't know what I was doing. And, and, and he sent me home and said, take an hour. And I felt these things. And I felt like, wow, something's really happening. I feel. I'm a different person. I, I cried. I got, got rid of all this crap. I dumped it on this guy I barely knew. And he's just 
gave me a few suggestions and and I really felt like I was making progress and I felt exactly that that I'm not so isolated and alone and unto myself with all this garbage you know this luggage I drag around that I'm becoming one of you guys you know going back to that idea yeah my brain could use a good wash you know and this is how I start getting it but this starts to go into my soul and my character so you know, this is where we begin to really join the human race in Alcoholics Anonymous uh, in this fifth step. Uh, I, I don't really know if I should stop and ask for questions on particular steps or maybe just after the... So I guess maybe let's let's do that now that, uh, you know... Uh, what have you covered so far? Well, four and, and I guess going into five... So, uh, yeah, if you've got any questions on four, bring them up, or, or five. We're flexible. You can wait until the end if you want to keep it cohesive. Well, I think the questions actually make better conversation from our, uh, okay. you know, for me, anyhow. Yeah. So we'll just, no, we'll just wing it. If you got them, let's have them. I didn't want to bring it, you and we haven't got into six yet, but we're going there. So. Uh, do you have the first four steps in your life? as a way of life? And B, if so, how does that unfold when resentment like fear pops up? Do you have the first four steps in your life as a way of life? Well, yes, and we and the program gives us that. And how does that unfold when a resentment or a fear pops up? I think uh, it's important to look at what the fourth step itself is representing. And, and the way I've understood it and, and that I've learned it is the fourth step is all about yesterday and what I'm carrying around in my life with me that's affecting my life. And it's all about what's blocking me off from God. So it could go back, you know, and in the, in the big book, for instance, it says many of us do annual house cleanings. Uh, but essentially, so what am I carrying around? What's, and, and really, if I'm working a perfect program, and we all know, I, I don't know anybody who works a perfect program, but if I am, I guess I wouldn't have anything in a four step. I, w- I just wouldn't have any need for it because I'm, I'm practicing a perfect program, but I don't. But four is about this, the crap that I'm, the, the luggage, the baggage, and maybe it's from when I was a kid and I didn't realize it until today, or maybe it's from the new job I have and it's just propped up in the last four or five months, but it's really bugging me and it's really affecting my life. It's the garbage I'm gathering. And step ten is really representative of the same principles. Except ten's about today. So ten gives me this, these, these things as a method of living in the day that I'm in. In other words, you know, someone says something to me, or one of the guys I work with, and, and I'm angry or resentful, or my wife says something, and, uh, and I'm burned up about it. So it says in ten, which I'm not really supposed to talk about ten, you know, we continue to watch for selfishness, dishonesty, 
self-seeking and fears. And when these crop up, we do something about them immediately, is what it says. And that probably is the better answer to this question, is, you know, do you have the first four steps in your life? None of it's even possible without the first three steps. And the principles of the four steps as a practice in life are really covered in ten, as I know it. <clears throat> why, uh, why do you have these fears? Is there a better way? Hmm. Well, that's, uh, you know, that's a pretty broad question. I have these fears because, you know, I'm human and, uh, and I have defects of character. And it says in the literature that fears generate more defects. So I don't think I'm ever going to be rid of fears. Uh, they're a part of life. Is there a better way? Absolutely. Practice a program. Apply the principles. You know, uh, do something about it. Uh, we, we have a program, uh, What was it Anderson said to me? He said a lot of things. But one of the things he said is, Hey, Todd, you, you believe in God? And I said, Yes. And he said, Start acting like it. <laughs> and I thought, You know, that, but you know, think about that for a minute. Because, you know, we come here and for some reason we get all these great instructions and armchair wisdoms and, you know, hit your knees in the morning and thank them at night. You know, that's great advice. Except that there's a whole day of life in between. And uh, and we have instructions there too, page 86 and 87 in the book. There's, there's the method. But uh, somebody said, I, I think Randy talked about it, the two parts of prayer. The first part is, is saying the prayer. The second part is acting like I mean it. Actually acting that way. So, it's one thing to believe there's a God. It's another thing to actually act like I believe there's a God. So, is there a better way? Sure. Act like I believe in God and, and start getting past these fears. Uh, how do I see my part when they've done me more harm? Mm, that's a good question. And I think it's... You know, it's it's uh, it's the wrestling match. I would suggest, first of all, cut it out. <laughs> Just see your part and admit it. You know, one of the most profound moments for me in AA came when I made amends to somebody that I don't think I really owed an amends to them. They kind of stepped on my toes. And it was a situation, somebody I worked with, and I thought, you know, this really burns me up, but what is the program? I called my sponsor. He said, well, go knock on his door and, and apologize for your part. And I thought, well, I'm not sure what my part is. You know, he's a, he's the jerk, of course, you know. And, and so I did. I went and I said, I'm sorry I got so angry about this. And, and it was, a, it was, a, it was like magic. Cause you know what happened is the resentment went away. The whole thing went away. And that other person seemed to really, you know, acknowledge, said, well, that's really big of you. And, and it just went away. You know, it doesn't matter who's at fault. 
How do I see my part when they've done me harm? Look. <laughs> You'll find it. And then make amends for your part. And take that action. And, and you know, you're a better character. That's the new character that, that does that sort of thing. Because we know the old character, he didn't, he didn't want to do that. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, what's the difference between moral inventory and a personal inventory? Well... I don't know that there's, that they need to be separated. I think the way that the step is worded is that this is a, well, let's see what the words say. Made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. So it's personal. It's searching. It's fearless. And it's moral, meaning it needs to look at what's right and what's wrong. Uh, I, I don't know that maybe I don't understand the question. I, I don't know that there's a whole lot of difference. It's the, the instructions are, are clear and, and it's definitely a personal inventory. Here's a good one. Uh, when working, uh, out of the big book, is it okay to add two extra columns? One column for our character defects and one column for what was my part? Well, I think that those are actually there already. You know, what was my part is there. Where was I selfish, dishonest, self-seeking, or fearful? That's pretty much my part. And uh, if we actually bother to fill in a sentence on those, we find our part is, is that's been my experience. Uh, a column for character defects. You know, I think this is where, that's why we have sponsors, when we do this sort of thing, it's just like I said in the 12 and 12, they introduce us to new, the seven deadly sins as defects. And should that be applied to the inventory, but it's not in the big book inventory and well, what should I do? And if uh, I think you talk to your sponsor and, uh, and, 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 and that's how you do that. Does prime time address where were we to blame question? And then it's got a quote, when we uh, saw our faults, we listed them. Is this different from the selfish, dishonest, self-seeking, and frightened? Hmm. Uh, I don't think it's different, particularly. I And I got to, you know, I'm not an authority. I can only share my experience and strength and hope. Uh, because in the big book inventory, it starts us off in the resentment list of writing about those four things, selfish, dishonest, self-seeking, and frightened. Then it says, let's make a fear list. And I think that's where a lot of other stuff comes out that are our faults, that are prompted by the previous action. And does primetime address where we to blame? I, I think Alcoholics Anonymous does. And I'm sure, you know, why wouldn't primetime? Yeah. Cool. Have you seen that you do the thing that you resent? Have you seen that you do the thing that you resent? Who said that? <laughs> what do you mean by that? <laughs> well, uh, 
Yeah. I think maybe not or not initially, but that's part of the fifth step process is, you know, is accepting this stuff. Because I think a lot of it is, you know, it's really a mysterious process. I think it is. It has been for me. And, and even now, you know, I've been, I've been around for a while. I've wrote, written a number of inventories. Every time I do it, I'm sort of like, hmm, what am, how am I going to start this thing? Hmm, okay. Let's see. My wife, same old crap from the last one. You know, it's, it's always this sort of mystery thing that I don't really, do, I don't want to do it. My sponsor said I better do it again. And, and, uh, and, and I, maybe I, you know, as I'm writing it, I start to see it. And then for sure, as I'm doing the fifth and I'm revealing it to God and another human being, yes, things become a lot more clear, usually, in, in my experience. Can you talk about instincts? <clears throat> well, I think the literature could talk about it a lot better than I could. And in step four, it talks about, it opens up in the 12 and 12 where it says, creation gave us instincts for a purpose. It's part of our humanity. And then it goes on to explain that, but gee whiz, guess what? Alcoholics tend to sort of overdo it in that area. So yet these instincts so necessary for our existence often far exceed their proper functions. Powerfully, blindly, many times subtly, they drive us, dominate us, and insist upon rulings, uh, on ruling our lives. Uh, so they become liabilities because we're out of whack. You know, in this, this, uh, uh, defects rep, it says they represent instincts gone astray. Uh, that we, and that we need to look at where our natural desires have Warped us. It's interesting we find that word again, warped. Uh, there's, a, there's, there's so many great passages in here. Um, one I wanted to... Uh, <clears throat> it's where it says, but it's from our twisted relations with family, friends, and society at large that many of us have suffered the most We've been especially stupid and stubborn about them. The primary fact that we fail to recognize is our total inability to form a true partnership with another human being. Our egomania digs two disastrous pitfalls. Either we insist upon dominating the people we know, or we depend on them far too much. There's so much in that. And, you know, I think that for a lot of years... I thought that when they were talking about a true partnership with another human being, they meant like the great partnership, like your marriage. And I thought, well, I got a pretty good marriage now. And I don't know why I didn't see this for the longest time, but that's how AA is. You know, you keep reading this stuff and, 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 you know, all of a sudden you go, oh, yeah, that's what it says. I get it. So that true partnership with another human being is everybody. It's my relationships with other people in the world that I'm, I'm not really very good at forming that true partnership. I either want to dominate or rely on. I'm, you know, I've got these fears that rule my life that actually, as an al you know, that alcoholism and that ego, it wants to separate me from you more than, you know, before it wants me to be with you. Uh, so, 
I, I don't know if I answered that question, but I tried. <laughs> <laughs> the definition of instinct is a performance of behavior without being based upon prior experience. How does this apply to my emotions and alcoholism? Hmm. Well, that is a very good question. The definition of instinct is a performance of a behavior without being based on prior experience. How does this apply to my emotions and alcoholism? Uh, I think it applies daily to my alcoholism if it's not being treated, for one. Uh, and that, you know, my ego is the same thing, is kind of like my, uh, it's, a, it's, it's my experience. It's not exactly the instinct, perhaps, but it is what I know or think I know devoid of the spirituality. It's all about me and my experience. And it's almost the same thing that, you know, how does this apply to my emotions and alcoholism? It, it apply, it ruins my life is how it applies if my alcoholism isn't being treated and if I'm not having some awareness of it. And it's an interesting question because, you know, in 10 it tells us we continue to watch for these things. And when they prop, and when they crop up, we do something about it immediately. Right? And in 4 it gives us these ideas. And sometimes I think, you know, when something happens, whatever that something is, usually I kind of feel the color, the, my face gets hot, I'm, I'm either hurt or I'm angry or I'm, I don't know. Now, so when that happens, how many times do I first pause and ask myself, which instincts are being threatened here, Todd? <laughs> you know, <laughs> is it my emotional security? Is it my desire for the sex relation is you know do i go through that and uh i i guess to answer you honestly is usually no it's not where i'm wired because i suffer from alcoholism i just want to react but what the book says is we pause when agitated and that's you know it's just so huge it's such a uh you know that will enable me to to look at the instincts that will enable me to go to this deeper stuff. But when I start to live in the program of recovery right now, then I do have that ability to pause when agitated. And I, I think that maybe goes outside of the original question, but I also want to mention that if I wake up in the morning and I apply this immediately, gee, it's so much better through the rest of the day. You know, and, and, uh, you know, what does it say? We're not cured of alcoholism. What we really have is a daily reprieve, dependent on the maintenance of our spiritual condition. And, uh, it's so important. 86 and 87. Uh, somebody talked about how it works. Man, when I started, and I learned it here quite a few years ago, st stop picking and choosing in the literature. And I, and that's when I realized that's exactly what I'd been doing. You know, yeah, this page is good. I don't understand what this page means. I'll just, maybe I will someday. 
And the way I stopped doing that was that I changed the words that said we and us to me and I. And I read it for me, like Randy did. And, he, and I inserted my name in these pages. And then when I didn't, when, when it didn't mix and I, and I had to say, well, I don't, that's not me. Then I had to ask myself, why? What am I missing? And, uh, that's when this really book opened up more as a program of recovery and less as words on a page, you know, cause we all come in here and people say, Hey, read the book. You know, my first sponsor said, Hey, you got a book? I said, I got a book. He said, read the book. I read the book cover to cover. Took me about two weeks. But when I read it for me and I got to, you know, like page 25 and it said, the great fact is just this and nothing less. That God has entered into our hearts and lives in a way which is indeed miraculous. And when I read that God has entered into my heart and lives in a way which is indeed miraculous, I couldn't escape it. I had a look at it. Uh, the central fact of my life today is the absolute certainty that my Creator has entered into my heart and lives in a way which is indeed miraculous. That's a lot different than reading the central fact of our lives today. I just kind of think, well, yeah, right, I'll, eventually I'll figure out what that means. I have no idea what that means. But when I read it for me, i got to say that's not the central fact of my life today. I've had that sort of feeling five or six times. You know, like when I shared my fourth step with my sponsor and I came home and he told me what to do with it. And, he, you know, he said, make a list of the people you harmed, you harmed. That's going to become your eight step list. And then he said, you know, burn that thing. Don't leave it around, laying around for anybody to see. And, uh, you know, God entered into my life in a way which was indeed miraculous that day. And then, you know, and then we make progress. There's something in, in how it works where it says, and, and again, this for me, how many times have you heard how it works read? You know? Or read it yourself when somebody said, hey, will you read how it works tonight? But when I started reading it for me, and it said, uh, you know, do not be discouraged. No one among us has been able to maintain anything like perfect adherence to these principles. We're not saints. The point is that we're willing to grow along spiritual lines. And one day, about ten years into this process, I said, well, that's the point. The point is that we're willing to grow along spiritual lines. That's the point. I didn't know that was the point. I kind of thought the point was you go to meetings, keep going, because if you stop going, trouble, and, you know, be of service, because that's the magic thing, and work with newcomers and, you know, all good stuff. But it says here that the point is that we're willing to grow along spiritual lines. And... uh what I learned here in prime time is I I don't grow along spiritual lines. You know, it doesn't doesn't fall on me. It's it's something I have to be willing to do. And uh if you believe in God, start acting like it. I also heard it put another way, you know, you know the difference between shit and ice cream. How about trying ice cream for a change? <laughs> I heard that in a prime time. 
You know, and, and it's just like, yeah, why not? Why not go for the good life? You know, why come to Alcoholics Anonymous and not go for what's offered? And uh, why do we do that? And I think a lot of us don't know what's offered because there's such a big fellowship that's so friendly and so welcoming and warm and, and you can hang around in AA for years and years and not know what's wrong with you and not even know that you don't know. All right, last question. What is emotional sobriety? It's it, it's what we talk about all weekend here. <laughs> Emotional sobriety is right now. And uh, it, it, am I willing to grow along spiritual lines? Am I the man that I want to be or am I the man that God wants me to be? Uh, you know, I, I don't know if I have the right answers here. I do know that When I wake up in the morning, and you guys will recognize this, when I wake up in the morning and I don't have a program of recovery, then I don't have a program. So I wake up in the morning and I try to get there before alcoholism does, which is kind of impossible because, you know, it's my default position. I don't wake up in the morning with butterflies and, you know, sunshine. I I wake up with problems. Uh, well, I gotta get to work, or, you know, geez, you know, I gotta get, I gotta figure out how to find 2,500 bucks by Thursday and get it in the account, and it's Tuesday. And, you know, that's the kind of stuff we all wake up with, I think. Well, I'll just speak for me. <laughs> There's other things, but, uh, if I wake up in the morning and I can, and I have the presence of mind, and God gave me free will, right? To say, God, could you help me think? Could you help me with my thinking today? I know you're there. Show me how to think so I can think to good purpose. And those are the words I say. I learn those words here in prime time. Show me how to act so I can be the man that you want me to be. Where I face indecision, grant me inspiration. Where I lack direction, show me the path to follow. Uh, I, I wander into the kitchen. I make some coffee. And then I consider my plans for the day. Which for me usually means I grab the back of an envelope, usually a bill I should have paid a day ago, and and I look at it and I say, well, what do I, what do I have to do today? What, what what do I need to get done? And I consider it, and, and that's what I do. I think that's a real practical way, and it usually takes me about 30 seconds to write down a few things, and then I try and affirm the program and say, I know that I have free will. So I can do whatever I want today. I can go wherever I want up in my brain today, and I can either screw it up or I can go to you, God. Help me with my will today so that I can continue to talk to you today and share my life with you, big things and little things. And that's, you know, I I learned that from, from Bob Anderson. Um, he gave me some instructions one time. We had a talk. He wasn't my sponsor, but I knew him. We talk now and then. And I remember one time and I asked him about, it was like after I'd been coming to this and going, man, I've been coming to this meeting for like a year 
This is a really amazing message. And I think I, what I think I hear you guys say pretty much all the time is you talk to God all day. He said, yeah, that's right. <laughs> he said, what do you got to do tomorrow? And I said, well, you know, tomorrow it's, uh, I got to take, drop my son off at school at this and pick him up. And I got a session at 11 and uh, I think I got to do this and make a few phone calls. And he said, well, okay. He said, before you do the phone calls, ask God to help you. When you pick up your kid from school, be sure and pray while you're driving there and, and, you know, help, help you to get there on time. You know, and, and the rest of the thing, you know, what do you have to do? I got this session. I'm going to go play on somebody's record. Uh, and that sometimes it's, it's real easy. Sometimes that's real hard. He said, well, ask God for help. I said, okay. So, and he said, call me. Call me at eight o'clock tomorrow night. And I did. He said, did you do what I asked you? And I said, yeah. He said, well, how'd your day go? And I said, you know, it was really pretty great. It was okay. Everything worked out all right. He said, that's good, Todd. Why don't you try it again tomorrow? <laughs> you know, my question was, you talk to God all day. How do you guys do this? And uh, if you believe in God, start acting like it. And how do you do that? Because I always thought that that was the, wor- the, the world of monks and priests and high high spiritual people only, or that, you know, that's just not real world stuff. It's not for a guy like me. But uh it's interesting when you try it, when I'm willing to grow along spiritual lines and put this program into my life. I don't it's 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 a funny thing, you know. It's like it's all of a sudden it's not such a great effort anymore. It's just that I have to I just have to do it. And then my life changes. And I think this is probably on four retreat tapes here, but one of the best things I ever heard in AA was in a primetime meeting, and Randy said it. Yeah, Randy. He walked up to the podium one night in Sherman Oaks, and he said, it's 8.20. I could have had a good day today. (laughs) I don't know why I waited till I got here to even start thinking about it. And And I went, God, that's me. And you know, you know how you can relate to that. Like, why would you be in Alcoholics Anonymous and completely blow off the program of recovery for the whole day until you get to a meeting and then go, ah, let me put on the program coat because we're all in AA and let me get my program together now that I'm here. It's eight o'clock. The day's over. <laughs> you know, um, speaking of which, let's, uh, Let's talk about step six, I think, is an appropriate place to kind of go into the sixth step. I think this is a wonderful step, and it's a really interesting thing, as many of us know. Uh, On page 76 in the big book, step six is one paragraph. And I still think that's just amazing. The big book tells me, and this is how I did it uh, the first time I went through the steps. I had my four-step inventory of, you know, big, thick, crumpled up legal pad in my hand on a Saturday morning. And I was beginning on my ninth step on Saturday night. Because I did the fifth. My sponsor told me to go home and do six and seven, make a list in eight, 
And he said, don't you, don't start on any of those amends till you talk to me. So I was ready to start on nine. And that happened in a day. So it says in here, after we've reviewed what we've done, if we can answer to our satisfaction about have we left out the mortar with the sand and that sort of thing, are we building the arch to freedom? If we can answer to satisfaction, we then look at step six. We have emphasized willingness as being indispensable. Are we now ready to let God remove from us all the things which we have admitted are objectionable? Can He now take them all, every one? If we still cling to something we will not let go, we ask God to help us be willing. So that's our prayer. If I still am going to cling to something, and Lord knows we all got them, you know, whether it's, you know, gambling or or uh, or money or we're thieves or sex or cheating and you know I'm I'm willing to stay sober I've been sober now for three and a half months I'm feeling great but you know I'm not well, I'm not ready to stop cheating so it says if we're still going through that then we ask God to help us be willing and that's the end of that paragraph and then it says when ready we say something like this and then it goes into the seven step prayer it, it, at the end of which it says, we have then completed step seven. So I'm not talking about seven, but I just think it's a really interesting thing that in the big book, as we're going through steps, they don't really uh, spend a whole lot of time on six there. It's about being willing, and it's important, of course. Uh, am I willing to become a new man? Am I willing to have God in my life? I think is is probably a better way to say that. And this is uh, one of many places in, in our literature and in the program where the 12 and 12, I think, is a huge, huge uh, injection of practical application and a great amount of new hope for living in the day I'm in with the program. And it talks about step sex being the step that separates the men from the boys. And, uh, you know, and it goes into all this any person capable of enough willingness and honesty to try repeatedly step six on all his faults without any reservations whatever has indeed come a long way spiritually and is therefore entitled to be called a man who is sincerely trying to grow in the image and likeness of his own creator. Am I willing to grow along spiritual lines? The point of the program. And I think, you know, my experience with this was, was of course, that I, I, I first thought this was the too big of a question, like it says. And it goes on to say, well, this is a perfection. I can't be perfect. After all, I'm, I'm a rock and roll guitar player, musician, and uh, I'd like to have fun. And, uh, well, there's things I'm not really, you know, I mean, I'm sober, but come on, give me a break, a little bit at a time, you know. And, and, and I think we all know what that's like, right? That's when I walked into primetime and on I had six and a half years. And I heard Bob Anderson talking from the podium. And I was just about ready to, you know, like, I might be done with AA. I'm sober. I'm, I think I got a handle on that. I'm, 
I've had many commitments. I take a meeting to up to Warm Springs. I don't know if they still have that place up there. I've been a treasurer, a coffee guy. Uh, I'm doing the thing. I'm doing the deal. I go to meetings. They're getting boring. And, you know, it's because I'm getting boring. And it's because I'm missing the message. And then I walk in here and I hear the message. Uh, it's one of my favorite parts in the, in the literature where it says, so step six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character is AA's way of stating the best possible attitude one can take in order to make a beginning on this lifetime job. I just love that. That tells me what step six is about in the day that I'm in. That it's about taking the best possible attitude I can take in order to make a beginning on this lifetime job. Can I get rid of all my defects of character? Of course, not. for one thing, I can't get rid of any of them. But God can. And the question is, am I willing? Do I want God in my life today? And I think we can all do... It, you know, it's, it's the 24-hour program. It's the 24-hour method. Do I want to stop, you know, gambling, overeating today? Stop cheating today? Yes. Can I go for this today? This is the best possible attitude I can take. Uh, am I entirely willing to have God remove all of these defects of character? I can be in, in the day that I'm in. Uh, It's plain for everybody to see that each sober AA member has been granted a release from this very obstinate and potentially fatal obsession. So in a very complete and literal way, all AAs have become entirely ready to have God remove the mania for alcohol from their lives. And God has proceeded to do exactly that. Having been granted a perfect release from alcoholism, why then shouldn't we be able to achieve by the same means a perfect release from every other difficulty or defect. This is a riddle of our existence, the full answer to which may be only in the mind of God. The question is, am I ready? You know, do I want God in my life today? And that's the amazing thing about alcoholism, that sometimes the answer to that is no. I'm busy. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm power, and I'm pretty powerful right now, and I've got some ideas. And I, and I've got some things to do, and I know what needs to be done, and I'll get to God later when I get to the meeting tonight. The key words entirely ready underline the fact that we want to aim at the very best we can know and learn. I mean, I just think that's so beautiful. That's hopeful. Am, am I willing to aim at the very best that God wants me to have? And, you know, I'm 55 years old. One thing I learned is that if I'm not aiming higher, I'm not getting there. I'm just going to always get what I always get. And, uh, and, and it requires an open mind, which this also talks about, step six, being a brand new venture into open-mindedness. That I'm willing to grow and to learn something new today. And the longer I'm in AA, the stronger that disease gets and says, you know, you don't need anything new. You, you, you're, you're, you've got it figured out. And then, you know, and it tells us other things too. Uh, 
the best we can do with all the honesty that we can summon is to try to have it, this willingness. And there are those days, you know, when, when it's just really hard. It's really hard to have it because there's just too many things dragging me down. The fears. You know, the bills are due. How did I screw it up again? How did I get behind on the, you know, whatever, whatever it is. And, uh, you know, I, I gotta make a decision to go for the ice cream. <laughs> it seems plain that few of us can quickly or easily become ready to aim at spiritual and moral perfection. We want to settle for only as much perfection as will get us by in life. According, of course, to our various and sundry ideas of what will get us by. You know, it's just amazing. It's like this, it's the sub, the power of self coming in and saying, well, I know what I gotta do. So the difference between the boys and the men is the difference between striving for a self-determined objective and for the perfect objective, which is of God. Do I want God in my life? If we should gain any real advantage in the use of this step on problems other than alcohol, we shall need to make a brand new venture into open-mindedness. We shall need to raise our eyes toward perfection and be ready to walk in that direction. It will seldom matter how haltingly we walk. The only question will be, are we ready? That's again, that's something that, that I learned here that's so much a part of the prime time message. You know, prime is the best. And the time is now. And, and, and most of us, we come in here and we're not looking for the best. We're just kind of looking to just enough to get us by. You know, whether that be, yeah, I don't drink anymore, I don't use anymore, and that's enough to get me by and all that other crap. I'll get there. We'll work that out eventually. And that's the delusion, you know, self-deluded, you know, self-help program. And this talking about, I, I, I need to raise my eyes toward perfection and to be ready to walk in that direction. How do I do that? I gotta talk to God. I gotta talk to Him all day long. Bob used to say, stop talking to yourself. Start talking to God. And, you know, it's just such a great mantra. Uh, so it says here that we ought to become entirely willing to aim toward perfection. We're not going to get there, but we can aim higher. This, this is the exact point at which we abandon limited objectives and move toward God's will for us. Uh, you know, again, it's always the question for me, do I want God in my life today or, or, or would I like to be the power today? Because like Randy said, there's two powers. There's, there's the power of self and the, and you know, the power of self is powerful enough to keep God out of my life. And you know, I know you guys know what I'm talking about. If I'm not seeking, then I'm not getting. And step six is actually represents that principle to seek in, in any situation to become open-minded again right now. And of course it goes right into seven, which is where I'll stop. <laughs>
questions? What is the definition of a defect of character? Excellent question. Defect of character is something I do that I shouldn't do. And, uh, you know, it's the wrong thing. It's something I do that I shouldn't do. And uh, I learned this here in prime time too. And it's been so important for me in my life. And you can back this up with a Webster's Dictionary. Because there's a, there's some writings about what Bill, Bill Wilson put down on the steps and why he used a different word or maybe why he didn't. Because in 7, it says, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. And uh, there are those who will debate that defects and shortcomings are actually the same thing. But in prime time here, what I learned was to look at that. And if a defect is something I do that I shouldn't do, then in the next step, a shortcoming is something I should do that I don't do. And when I think about what does the word shortcoming means, it's it's got to mean that. It's where I come up short. It's the things I don't want to do. I'm, I I fall short. So it's the diff, It's it's the it's the pivot point six to seven. The old character becoming the new character. Defect is something I do that I shouldn't. It's the wrong thing. I'm selfish. I'm self-centered. I suffer from a hundred forms of fear, anger, worry, depression, self-seeking, dishonesty. I'm prideful, arrogant, jealous, angry, lazy, uh, and on and on. All those things. There's tons of them. I shouldn't do those things. And that's what a defective character is. This is, I think. Things I do, I shouldn't do. Any you guys must be hungry. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Sobercast is ad-free, and we'd like your help in order to keep it that way. So if you'd like to help us be self-supporting by pledging a dollar to a month, visit Sobercast.com and look for the donate links. Thank you very much.